everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but Foodie married Beast anyway, and together we've got the Food and Wine Variety Show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this gorgeous Sunday in Washington. We've got a great show today uh, with a really interesting lineup of guests. Before we get into that, I want to give Nikki two minutes to talk about her new podcast home. Yes, so Industry Night, which used to be out of the Line Hotel on Full Service Radio, unfortunately, due to the pandemic, no longer exists. But I am really grateful. Tommy McFly and Kelly Collis of Real Fun DC um, have launched their own platform with a lot of other fabulous shows and have brought me on board. So now you can hear Industry Night um, every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. I always bring on really interesting guests. Last week's show was Tom Sietzma. We talked about dropping of the dining guide. And this week I'll be talking to three Napa Valley winemakers and talking about making wine not only during a pandemic, but also during massive fires. Um, it was a fascinating conversation. Definitely tune in. It's Real Fun DC. You just download the app and you can hear the show Industry Night. I'm learning how to make wine in the sink. Maybe yes. someday you'll <laughs> invite me on. It's delicious okay. with Crest. Uh, all right. So let's talk about who's on today. Uh, Gran Cata, which was recently voted one of America's 50 best wine retailers, has opened up a second location, this time at La Cosecha in Union Market. Um, it's a grocery wine bar concept with a great selection of uh, classic and sustainable wines. And we have the founders on with us today, Pedro Rodriguez and Julio Robledo. They're going to be on shortly. Matt Baker, you guys know him as the celebrated chef owner of Gravitas, his modern American restaurant in Ivy City, just behind the old Hex warehouse. Uh, he has just celebrated the birth of his baby girl, and he's opened Baker's Daughter, a cafe and market right across the street from Gravitas. We'll be talking to him soon. And this is fun. When you walk into an area restaurant from fine dining to fast casual and look around and go, wow, this place looks so cool. The chances are pretty good. The core architecture and designs, Allison Cook had a hand in it somewhere. Her client list reads like a who's who's, uh, who's who of leading restaurants from Nick Stefanelli's Michelin-starred Maseria to Centralina, Founding Farmers, Pearl Dive, and more. And uh, Allison's going to be on and uh, because she's talking about a really cool new project that she just completed called Mozzarella. It's a new pizza place near Gallaudet University with a very special mission and team there. The team there uh, is comprised of deaf and hard to hearing folks, hard to hear, hard of hearing, sorry, folks. Uh, like we'll hard be, of speaking. Yeah, hard of speaking. That's right. Uh, and we'll be talking with Ryan uh, Malajewski from Mozzarella and uh, uh, his friend Jewel about everything there. And we want to give you just a tad of a warning. There's a little bit of delay because Ryan is deaf and Jules is interpreter, so there'll be a little bit of a delay in our conversations. But now let's go to Deb Moser with Central Farm Markets. Hey, Deb, you hey. told us that it's time to talk turkey. Turkey. That's I right. think it feels a little early. Yes, it does feel early, but you have to remember that the farms have been getting ready for this all year. They get their <laughs> chicks in the uh, spring, they grow them all summer, and then they get ready to sell them off in the fall. And right now, uh, one of our uh, one of our favorites, Springfield Farm, is taking orders for the turkey because by the beginning of November, 
they're going to be sold out. But they're also doing something really interesting this year. Because of COVID, they have smaller birds. So if your family, uh, as most of us are because of this pandemic, are just celebrating with two or four people, you want a smaller bird. So Springfield Farm, which is at our Pike and our Bethesda markets, will have those birds for you. You can go on their website, Springfield, OurSpringfieldFarm.com, or our website, Central Farm Markets, and order those turkeys. In addition, Sligo Pit Barbecue, which is at both of those same markets, will have smoked turkey breasts. Mm-hmm. And to complement those, a lot of our food vendors are going mm-hmm. to have the sides that go along with that. So you can just order what you want, uh, take it home. You don't have to cook. It's a different kind of Thanksgiving this year. Right. Yeah. Well, I really like the idea of the smaller turkeys. Um, and I love the idea of the turkey breasts. Like if you have... Um, a mom or, you know, grandma or somebody who you can't get together with, but you want them to have some turkey. Like this right. is such a good idea because there's enough for leftovers. Like it's just right. like, instead of a whole turkey, right? Well, and, and so are the younger just, birds more tender than the older birds? Is there yes. A- yes. A smaller bird will always be more tender than a large bird. But I have to tell you, their birds are, I get one every year and we just love them. Um, this year, we will probably go with a smaller bird and probably have that smoked turkey breast as well because we love uh, leftovers. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll do both. But, you know, it's going to be one of those different kinds of years and uh, we'll have to see how it goes. All right. Sure. Deb, will you tell everybody where they can find Central Farm Markets? Sure. You can find us in three locations in, in uh, North Potomac, Bethesda and Vienna. And you can find all of our information at centralfarmmarkets.com. Okay. And you're still doing delivery? Well, we are still doing our farm-to-fridge delivery. So whatever you want for Thanksgiving. And we're going to have uh, some some things popping up re- in the next couple of weeks in terms of Thanksgiving delivery. So keep a watch on that as well. Well, and keep us posted. We'll make sure it's on the website. Okay, great. All Thank right, you. Sir. Thank have you. Have a good day. Good Bye-bye. All right. So now we're going to talk La Cosecha at Union Market. There's a new grocery wine bar concept there that is already a home run uh, based on its first location, Gran Cata. And we have uh, its founders, Julio Robledo and uh, Pedro Rodriguez on the phone with us, guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. How are you guys? We're 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 great. We're so thrilled to have you. We're quarantined. (laughs) (laughs) But we are delighted. We are delighted to have you on. So can we talk about a little bit of your backgrounds and what brought you to do a, a wine shop, well, now two wine shops in D.C. that are, is really dedicated to the Latin American, you know, taste of wine? Um, yeah, Julio, Julio here. Um, basically, wine is, uh, is, is, is our, our passion in when we met with Pedro back in 2007, uh, we feel that there was a, a little niche, uh, basically to tell the stories of uh, of the the Latin wines, Latin countries that uh, was a little bit undeserving the in the region. So after tasting many wines, uh, we decided to to open our, our fair location. That was actually almost 10 years after in 2016. Um, we want to we wanted to become the ambassador of the of the wine and the spirit of of Latin America. And that's why we decided to open the, the store in, in Shaw, the first location. As you were curating that wine offering, 
were there regions that you were like, oh, we have to showcase this? Because, you know, like Chilean wines and Argentinian wines have, have, you know, quite a following, I think, in the D.C. market. But were there other wines from around the region that you were like, oh, we have to showcase this? These are things that people will really be blown away by. Absolutely. We, uh, as Latin American investors, the wine culture, we, we did a thorough analysis of all the productions. Uh, historically, starting from Mexico, a lot of people know that Mexico was the first uh, area in the Americas that planted uh, vines and produced wines for uh, over 400 years ago and ended up also transitioning to Peru, uh, Argentina, and Chile. And then we're, we're super excited to obviously showcase Chile and Argentina as uh, powerhouses in South America, but also uh, Uruguay with the Tanat, Fercho Barbarinos. Uh, beautiful kind of coastal climate uh, wine region, and also Brazilian sparkling wines is uh, is an exciting uh, category for us that we've been pushing for uh, over two years uh, when we came across the first Brazilian sparklers, and also uh, Bolivian wines are from, and, uh, from uh, two fly imports are based in DC as well. Shout out to them. Uh, we have a, a very nice selection of Bolivian wines from Samaipata and Tarija, so uh, super cool wines elegant, fresh. Our mission is to just showcase honest wines, uh, wines that speak about the, the terroir, the, the freshness, the vibrancy of, 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 the, of the wines, and also they're drinkable and enjoyable for everyone. So that, that's our mission. And that's one question. Is, um, are all the wines you carry natural or is there just, is wines made in Latin America, most of them are natural? No, 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 we want to we want to showcase uh, an honest selection and a, and a good representation of of what is uh, Latin America. So you're gonna find a lot of natural wines, and there is a huge story on on natural wines in in Latin America with Pipeños and País Great Listan uh, in Chile and Argentina as well. But as well, more traditional approach of wine uh, making uh, as well. Basically, again, the store showcase honest wine. Uh, wines that people drink in their home countries speak about the terroir of the land and it's a representation of the grape as well. Well, guys, we've been to La Cosecha several times and it's it's crazy fun. Um, but for folks who don't understand the sort of the concept there and why you would go there, why don't you talk a little bit about your uh, your environment, your retail <laughs> environment there? Absolutely. We, uh, we decided to join La Cosecha uh, as a market because obviously is uh, the in, in what, of my knowledge the first kind of contemporary Latin market in the U.S. that showcases kind of the heritage and the identity and the culture of, of the Americas. Uh, for us, being a Latino-owned uh, business, uh, obviously based in D.C., it was an opportunity we couldn't say no. And then, as, as uh, many people know, Katami State, so we br uh, brought in the full circle of, of the degustación, the taste of uh, showcasing the food from the region. So our mission with a grocery, daily slash uh, bottle shop, and in the future, a wine bar, we're gonna be uh, moving, uh, kind of telling the story with the foods and the wines and how to pair them, how to enjoy them, make you think about the, the flavors and also inspire you to get to know more of the flavors of the region. We well, have a lot of Latinos coming in uh, from different backgrounds and countries. And it's always uh, super warm and, and, and amazing to see their reaction when we have uh, alfajores, dulce leche, chimichurri, the traditional cuts of meat from Argentina, also a lot of products from Puerto Rico. I'm from the island, so I want to support 
uh, the small producers over there. And also kind of kind of bring back that kind of the Latin flair in a way that, that we always get excited about. So it's well, um, ongoing mission with the food, telling the story with the wine as well. I want to ask because for folks that, you know, they're afraid of, and I don't blame them, COVID-19 and don't want to go out, you have a wine club. So I assume you, is that up and running now? And are you delivering wine? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have a, our wine club. is uh, something that Julio and I launched uh, in, in March 12th. And, uh, we opened the store March 12th and 16th, and then in Shaw, we launched it in May. Mm -hmm. uh, we always had an idea doing the wine club because it's an opportunity to taste something different. I uh, learn a little bit, have fun, share it with uh, friends and family. Uh, in La Cosecha, we launched the wine club as well. So all the members that live around the neighborhood, obviously, uh, new members are welcome to join. We feature like two bottles of wine uh, that we always uh, pick a theme. For instance, this uh, month, uh, closing out Hispanic Heritage Month with the uh, Mexican wine. Mm -hmm. And they were amazing hits. And next month, we're featuring our, our top pick of uh, winemaker of the year. Uh, so uh, it's an opportunity for people to learn more about the wines, uh, change the conception about what they think about Latin American wines, and also learn with us. We, you get tasting us, you get a gift. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a super fun uh, club. Hey, and, guys, we have to say, we work really, really hard with Pedro. We taste so many, so many wines to, to get to the those two a special bottle for for the wine club it's a that tough job really hard yeah, work. we feel very very sorry for you <laughs> i mean that sounds terrible but so you know because you're importing all these wines during the pandemic has it been hard to get your hands on some of these like smaller boutique wines that yes. don't have like the big guns behind them every everyone has to adjust uh, thankfully and gratefully uh uh, uh we were affected to uh, like in, in terms of business uh, uh cycle so uh what we have done is focus more and we're more strategic and planning more ahead so we can get our hands on the ones that we want to uh, showcase a lot of them are are not in the dc market so we pull the effort to bring them from importers that are based in new york california uh mm -hmm. texas and then we are also this year importing our own uh wines uh initially from chile and then we have a, a another you know in the future from argentina and Uruguay as well so definitely it, it takes planning but we we you know this is what we love to do so uh for us it's super important to to show the wines and, and get people excited about them and, and obviously enjoy them uh for us it's, it's, it's our job so we we love it it's, well let's it, do this it, let's it, take let's take a quick break and when we come back we can talk about sort of what's coming up for you guys at La Cosecha over the next, you know, like what we can look forward to in the future. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Duty and the Beast. We're trying wines from Latin America. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to the founders of Gran Cata, Pedro Rodriguez and Julio Robledo. And guys, um, you know, we've talked a lot in general about the wines, and Nikki wants to know what your forward plans are at La Cosecha. But before that, if you had to scan your shelves and pick the right wines for right now, what two would you pick? Uh, Pedro here, I, I definitely will pick... Uh... We, we have some exciting new uh, wines coming from Chile, uh, uh, from the southern part in Itata Valley. It's actually like one of the oldest wine regions in the world that never had uh, phylloxera. So we, you, you find vines that have been there for over 200 years. Uh, so Moscatel Alejandria is a white that's uh, 
it's amazing. It's a uh, uh, aromatic, enticing texture for the fall. It's, it's gorgeous also, as, as we were talking about Turkey uh, before in the segment. Uh, it's a beautiful one that you can pair with, uh, with turkey cheese. And, and as well, I've been drinking a lot of uh, white semillons from Argentina as well. It's been a big surprise for us um, <laughs> with winemakers that they're making wine. No uh, fermented in oak, but in a cement tank and tanks that showcase the pure fruit. Uh, we are in loving, uh, loving those wines too. Well, can I ask one quick question? You know, uh, I think a lot of Americans' introductions to wine from Latin America was that it was very inexpensive. Is that, I mean, as, you know, we get introduced to better quality wines, obviously the price raises. Is there some false expectation of what these wines should cost? Uh, not necessarily. We uh, the, the beautiful thing about South America, you, you, uh, we always say you get a lot of value for the price point. So uh, between fifteen to twenty-five dollars, you can make uh, take home an amazing, honest wine. And uh, that that obviously we we always look for balance. We look for freshness, fruit, uh, drinkability is a, is a, our motto. But uh, I, I think that's always part of our, our of our of our mission to change perceptions uh, with the American public about the ones from the region. And and they always come back, they always talk about uh, the amazing ones they have and they want to explore more. So that that's kind of the, the end result of, of the job. And the good news uh, right now in the region as well, there is an explosion of creativity, people trying to move the boundaries of uh, winemaking, not only with techniques, but planting new grapes, finding new terroir, and as well with the challenge of uh, global warming. Um, people in Argentina and Chile planting very south Patagonia in the Chiloé Island. Um, so there's going to be a lot of new things coming from South America. In right. Guys, I'm so sorry. We're going to have to wrap you up. <laughs> <laughs> it's radio. <laughs> it's, but we want to thank you so much for joining us today on air. Can you just give everybody your website and your handle on Instagram, please? Absolutely, it's uh, grandcata.com. Remember, we have two locations, Shaw and La Cosecha, uh, and then our Instagram is uh, grandcata altogether. Excellent. So many of you know Matt Baker from Gravitas, the Michelin award-winning restaurant that is in Ivy City. Um, I think Matt came on right when he opened, almost two years ago, and now, or two years ago, and now he's back uh, because he's got a new offering called Baker's Daughter. Um, but we want to talk about everything because everything has changed for everybody. So, hey, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Happy to be back. So, okay, Gravitas is how old? Am I wrong? Is it three years old? It's not quite three years old. We're about two and a half years old, yeah. Okay, so, it's kind of cool. so is it potty trained? <laughs> Close. It's getting there. It doesn't feel like it's potty trained yet. <laughs> but, you know, so Gravitas, you know, was this massive offering, right, of tasting menus and this gorgeous space in, uh, you know, up-and-coming Ivy City. You know, how did you turn things around for yourself? Because you were going to open up the conservatory upstairs, the beautiful deck space. Like, how did you plan on using everything once the pandemic hit? Yeah, that was really challenging. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say that we we did get a little lucky with having the we, we built a rooftop conservatory bar um, middle of last year, which um, beautiful. It's beautiful. Any silver lining from COVID, which has just been awful for everyone, a lot of people, and uh, definitely has impacted our business. If there's any silver lining for us, the conservatory has really built its own identity during this during the pandemic and um, with the need for outdoor dining, 
the need for outdoor spaces. It's really designed as a rooftop uh, garden cocktail bar. And what we did was we we really tried to focus on the cuisine a little bit more than what we had previously. So um, versus Gravitas, where in the first floor you get your your Michelin quality um, tasty menus, um, the conservatory is more of a bistro friendly uh, style dining. So we do offer a three course prefix menu up there, but there's a la carte options and the food's a little bit more approachable, uh, a little bit of a lower price point, and it is it is really focused around cocktails that are focused around our garden which you are right in the middle of when you're sitting up there. We, we mm -hmm. partnered with the 1-8 Distillery. They made a gin just for us using herbs from our garden. Um, the majority of the cocktail list is built around gin and absinthe. Mm -hmm. So really, really cool, um, exciting um, space. And like I said, I think it's really created. It's Wait really a minute. Let's back up. Gin and absinthe. So you want people to come and then you want them to have at least take three years to find their homes again. Correct. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're already in Ivy City. You might as well, might as well, right. might as well, hang out might as well just fall over, right? Okay, so so that is gravitas, right? Yeah. So you you did what you needed to do, but then was Baker's daughter already in play before the pandemic, or was it something because of the pandemic? Yes and no. I, I would say that the the catalyst was the pandemic. Um, the concept of Baker's daughter is really a concept that I've always been excited about. I've always had it in the back burner of something that I want to do at some point. Mm -hmm. I never thought that after winning a Michelin star that my first concept was going to be a cafe market um, prepared food business. Um, <laughs> but during the pandemic, we, we had to close and we had to do, we had to close for indoor dining and we had to do to go food. And I just, it was a necessity for Gravitas. I got it. I understood it. And the public was amazing. The the response from our from our guests from our supporters were just amazing. Mm -hmm. That being said, it's challenging in my opinion to offer the gravitas tasting menu fine dining experience in a to go container. Right. And uh, that was also, there's no hospitality in that. Right. Like no your whole thing is hospitality. Like it's not yes. just food. It's the experience. Like it's all about hospitality. How do you put hospitality in a box? And I completely, completely agree with that. And I, I'm happy you said that because with Baker's daughter, I talk about that a lot, is a lot of our staff, we were able to, to hire, we, we rehired everybody on our team. Uh, mm -hmm. We've actually hired additional people because of Baker's daughter. That's amazing. Uh, and we have, we've actually grown our team. Um, and the other, uh, the other thing that was important for Baker's daughter was if a pandemic comes back up and we have to close, well, then we have a we have a, a feeder system into a business that would ideally increase its sales. And so we could then move staff over there as well. So, well, so going back, oh, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. Finish, finish, finish. I was going to say in terms of hospitality, because we are a market cafe prepared food business, we have the staff from the restaurant that have the hospitality background. And that's something that for me makes us stand out. And the fact that when guests come in and they see us for the first time, we have people that know how to talk about food, know how to talk about products and ingredients. Well, and also not to get like mushy gushy here, but I think the hospitality comes across in the kind of food you're serving, right? Like it's, it's comfort food, you know, really good baked goods, you know, that focaccia bread that the sandwiches are on is delicious. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, your pasta salad, like everything is really yummy food. And I think exactly. people, I think people, 
want that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's great to have a really composed dish and it's very pretty and all that kind of stuff. And when I go out now, like I, I, I love that even more because I go out so infrequently, yeah. but when I'm bringing stuff in, I want, I, I want carbs. <laughs> I want carbs. I want pasta. You I want, want bread. Beans, you want sauce. You know. I, want, I want it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is about COVID that mm-hmm. has the carbs. That's called, that's called feeding your stress. Do you know I mean, what I mean? That's what it is. Totally. I mean, and, and, and we, we've, we've empowered our team in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. We have people from, from all over the world in our kitchen. And in terms of our prepared foods, I think we have a killer lasagna that we can either you know serve it to you in the restaurant hot at baker's daughter or you can grab it and go and microwave when you get home is there seating in baker's daughter we have about 20 seats in baker's daughter is it that big yeah oh i didn't realize that all inside nothing outside all inside unfortunately um um so we do about 20 seats but i mean even like for prepared foods and and uh, we have a sole which is a killer mexican roast uh, roasted pork soup with hominy um, we have butter chicken. We have uh, beef bourguignon, which is a, a, a French uh, beef stew with palm's puree. So we're going for comfort food. We're going for things that I would cook at home for my family. Um, mm-hmm. That is a little a little more chefy than what what I would think well, most people would, would be. Especially now, as the weather gets colder, that stuff is going to fly off the shelves. One hundred percent, totally, totally. So we're having fun with it. I, I love the concept. I think it's great. And so, tell us how. What else is in the concept? So you can come in and eat, but you also do lots of other things. Like you do CSA boxes. Like you have lots of other promotions, mm-hmm. um, you know, thinking outside the box, yeah. which I think so everybody has to do. Well, with Gravitas, we work with tons of, of really top-end local farms. Um, yeah. And so with that in mind, why not do a CSA program? Why not do something where we have access to those ingredients, put them in a box, and the benefit of, of us versus most CSA programs is you've got really great culinary talent. And so we're able to put recipes behind those, those, those CSA boxes mm-hmm. to give ideas to people what to make. And, and I also, oftentimes when I talk to people about cooking at home, they're like, I've got a CSA program. I've got so many turnips. I have no idea what to do with turnips. I've had <laughs> right, turnips every right. week. And that's the benefit of our box is that we're going to tell you how to cook it. We're going to give you ideas of how to put those to use. And so, um, one thing that we're going to start next week that we are doing once a month, it's going to be the third Saturday of every month. Mm-hmm. You buy the CSA box on Thursday, you tune in on Saturday at 12 PM to a zoom session, private zoom session with me. And I cook side by side with you, teaching you the recipe that's in the box of how to make the dinner. Oh, so I love what a great week. idea. So I got a question. One of the, with the, the great side uh, benefits, if there are any of COVID and the, and staying at home, is the how they loosened up being able to sell you know bottled pre-bottled uh, cocktails and beer and wine and you know everybody able to do that who runs your beverage program so we have a couple of really talented individuals that, that run our beverage program um our sommelier um andrew woodridge and our beverage manager judy alahi um she does all of our cocktails andrew does all of our wine and they are super talented and we are very very lucky to have that's great. Okay, so Matt, we have to wrap it up. I'm so sorry, but it's so nice to like see your face. Um, please tell everybody where they can find Gravitas and Baker's Daughter, both online and uh, in real life. No. Real life. So Gravitas really easy. The handles, the handles, please. Gravitas DC, and um, it's at 1401 Oakey Street Northeast in Ivy City. 
And then uh, Baker's Daughter is Baker's Daughter, D.C., and that is at 1402 Oakey Street Northeast. So right across the street from each other, super convenient. Come have a drink on our conservatory bar. You can see Baker's Daughter. Go grab some cheeses and some, some lunch for the next day. Excellent. All right, Matt, so good to see you. Thank you so much. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. When we come back, we're getting into pizza. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, welcome back to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. You know, at the top of the show, I mentioned all the really, really cool interiors of D.C. restaurants uh, in and around D.C. And um, I, if, if, if there can be a, uh, a guru of restaurant design, it's got to be Allison Cook of Core Architecture and Design. She has done everything from restaurants, you know, like uh, Nick Stefanelli's Maseria to Centralina, Pearl Dive. Uh, she's done restaurants for Jose Garces. She did Sweet Green. She did Cava. She did it all, man. <laughs> and so we have her on today to talk about a really cool new pizza concept called Mozzarella, which is over by Gallaudet University. And it has a very special mission because the staff... And you, you all know that Gallaudet is a school for folks who are deaf or very hard of hearing. And the staff is deaf and, or hard of hearing. And they serve they serve everybody. But it's a different kind of a challenge when you have folks that, um, that uh, you know, work in sign language and, and, and need interpretation or can read lips. And with masks on, it might be hard to read lips. We're going to talk all about that with uh, Ryan. I've got your name his. It's... Malashevsky, Ryan Malashevsky, God bless him, of Mozzarella. I did it right. I did it right. And Allison Cook, both of you are, are on. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. So uh, before we get to Ryan and all that, Allison, give a little bit of a background. I don't think I did you justice there because you're like the Babe Ruth of interior design for restaurants. So talk a little bit about your background and how you got into it. That's very kind of you to say. Um, no, I've been doing restaurants since about 2007 when I first joined CORE. So um, prior to that, my background was more in corporate interior design, office design, and decided I wanted to make that shift to more hospitality-focused spaces and have just really enjoyed it ever since. Uh, each restaurant is so different. That's what I really like about it. You know, you're really trying to create a space that reflects the client's brand and the customer experience that they want to have. Well, if you look at the difference between what Nick Stefanelli has over in uh, at Union Market and a sweet green, it's really the nice thing is when you can really let your imagination fly that outdoor area at, at Maseria is incredible. So, so oh, you, you have, David, I do have to correct you. We did not design Maseria for Nick. Unfortunately, he worked with a different designer, which is fine. We, you know, there's plenty of work to go around. <laughs> but Mozzarella, of course, that we're talking about today, we worked with Ryan and his team on. Right. Did you do Officina? No. Nope. no. I have Nick Stefanelli and your stuff here. Well, false information, faulty information. That's all right. I don't want to take credit for someone else's work. You're still the Babe Ruth. But when you come to a, a, a kind of a, a mission, like at Mozzarella, um, you know, what are, I mean, what are the challenges you face that are a little different than in, in, in other cases? Yeah, you know, it was a really fun project for a number of reasons. We're always focused on designing really inclusive and accessible spaces um, as a responsible, you know, architect or designer would be. And you're trying to kind of meet the client's functional needs for their operations and the guest experience that they want to have. Um, but here we really embraced working with the team to really put ourselves in their shoes as much as possible, um, thinking from the perspective of a deaf or hard of hearing individual. Um, and then they really inundated us with what it's like uh, to work and dine in these spaces and what their mission was about. And so 
it was really a lot of fun um, to understand what we needed to implement in terms of visual openness in the space, understanding from the perspective of a deaf individual that if they're engaged in communicating through American Sign Language, no conversation is private because it's a visual language. Mm -hmm. So how do we create opportunities for more private dining moments in the restaurant, as well as the visual openness that's needed for staff to communicate with one another and to see when customers, you know, raise their hand and need assistance. So, uh, and as far as the lighting goes as well, you know, normally with restaurants, we'd be employing, you know, dim, really dimly lit, like moody spaces at night. But when you have to rely on that visual communication with your hands and the expressions on people's faces to convey like mood and attitude of, of how they're speaking to one another, you know, you want to make sure that the lighting's not quite as dim. You want to illuminate faces as well as hands. So all of those things were really interesting to work with their team to understand. And Ryan, I know everybody at the uh, that's listening can't see, but Ryan is sitting in the restaurant right now. And a lot of what we did was create a neutral backdrop around kind of a datum line through the whole restaurant. So it's easy to see people's hands as they're communicating, and there's not a lot of visual noise in the restaurant. So you'll notice that the finished palette, if you go to visit there, is very warm and very neutral, but the space itself is kind of quiet because the nature of deaf communication is a very active, um, you know, thing just by its nature. Well, speaking of Ryan, who is sitting there listening, let's bring him in. Ryan, you've had quite a journey from, let's see, you went to the U of A and then you started working on Capitol Hill for a U.S. Senator, and then you went to Gallaudet as their Director of Innovation and Entrepreneurship, and now you're a pizza man. What up with that? <laughs> I know, I know. Who would have ever thought? It's a very, it's been a very surreal, surreal journey, and I'm very, very grateful for all of the life experiences that I've had. It took a lot of hard work. Uh, very, I'm very, uh, I'm very fortunate to have supportive parents. Uh, who supported me as a deaf person and made sure that I had great education. My parents are involved in education themselves. So uh, I've been involved with sports and a lot of things. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur as a young kid. I sold cookies. I mowed lawns. I painted houses. So it's been a very surreal journey. Well, just so our listeners know, that high voice is not Ryan. He would have had to pull his belt very tight for that. That's his interpreter, Jewel. So, so Ryan, talk a little bit about the concept from Mozzaria and how you pulled it all together. Sure, absolutely. Well, it started back in 2009, where the co-founders are both deaf. They met each other at Gallaudet College, and they came up with the idea well, their passion was restaurant was a restaurant and pizza. So they started with Neapolitan pizza. They bought a, a wood burning oven from Naples in Italy. And Russ, one of the co-founders, had a, an obsession with mozzarella cheese. So they took you know the first part of mozzarella and the second part of pizzeria and put that together to make the name of their restaurant. Mozzarella uh, was born in uh, San Francisco, California. They had a food truck that was also very successful. And this was a long time dream of, dream of Russ and Melodies to open a second place in Washington, D.C., near Gallaudet, where they met. 
So I'm very excited to um, uh, expand on that dream. We're planning on expanding our restaurants uh, in three or four, and we hope to hope to open one every year. And very importantly, this is an opportunity to provide jobs to the deaf and hard of hearing communities wherever we, we open. Well, so Ryan, with the pandemic, I mean, Allison has really uh, put out things to really assist so that anybody who comes into the restaurant can order. But with the pandemic, people are wearing masks. So for people who read lips, how do you help people order and help people communicate within the space? Well, I, I'm asked this question often. It's a good one. Um, now, with Allison and Core, their team did a beautiful design. They really helped um, create the space to reduce communication challenges because how spacious and open the restaurant is. There is a lot of glass. There's a lot of see-through uh, walls, or, or it's kind of frosted glass, so you get a measure of privacy and a measure of visibility as well as natural light coming through. Uh, the space itself is completely porous. Hmm. So that helps with our communication challenges. Um, our cl clients are wearing masks. And of course, as you mentioned, deaf people rely on, on lip reading to understand what people say. And, um, Deaf people also move their mouths and we rely on lip reading ourselves. So yeah, we definitely had to emphasize using gestures. Um, we say hello and welcome to Mazaria. So we sign uh, slowly and we, open, we sign with open arms. In general, um, you know, deaf people are very, or Ital Italian people are very animated. So, um, so we're trying to bring that into the restaurant. Are things good? How you doing? You know. So, uh, with masks, we're afforded the opportunity now to only use our eyes and our facial expressions, as well as our whole body, to provide a whole presence. So, with this beautiful space we have, with the natural light, it's really working. It's really nice. So, how does that work for? ordering is is everything mobile did you have to institute new ways of communication for everybody when they came into mozzarella uh well there are different ways of communicating number one you can just point we have a menu and you just point point to what you want um and you're surprised how many uh, clients do know sign language. They may know fingerspelling, and that is awesome. Um, or you put your, your order in a your text or in your smartphone, and then you show the, the text uh, to the cashier. So we're trying to work with a self-ordering kiosk where we can incorporate sign language and audio features and that will be built into a self-service kiosk. So we're looking forward to that prototype that'll be released soon. Well, and I feel like we shouldn't just talk about communication. What we should talk about is the food. What can people expect to see on the menu there other than just pizza? Oh, well, the goal is to create a VPN, a vir 
Verchasi uh, Pizza Napoleon uh, experience. So we have a we have Napoleon uh, Napolitan Napolitano <laughs> Neapolitan. Thank you. And uh, we're trying to develop small plates and desserts. Um, and so we just experimented with breadsticks. Uh, with uh, wood firing fired breadsticks and they are out of this world we're going to be rolling that out very soon i can't wait for that our most popular pizza obviously is margarita it's a, a, as well as italian sausage and quattro uh ch cheese oh god um, we'll take one of each <laughs> Uh, they're really quite delicious come on over i'd be happy to deliver to you well listen we're so sorry but we do have to wrap this up we have one more guest left for the show we want to thank you both for joining us this morning allison you guys do such amazing work where can people see you like on instagram or online where people can check out core absolutely so you can find us on instagram it's at core dc c-o-r-e-d-c um, so you can check us out there. You can check our website, which is coredc.com. Okay, great. And I'd love to talk to you about coming back to talk about pandemic and design because that's a whole other show. And Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Tell us, please, where we can find you online, Mozaria. Sure. Our handle name is at Eat Mozaria, E-A-T-M-O-Z-Z-E-R-I-A. And Instagram, we're on Instagram and Facebook. And I want to thank your wonderful team with doing this beautiful, uh, Allison, your beautiful team for, uh, for designing our beautiful space. And Nikki, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you. Right, this is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And uh, you listeners may remember that a while back, uh, Georgetown's Brasserie Liberté opened, uh, I think, in November of last year to a great response. And then a couple of months later, only to be confronted by the pandemic and all of the attendant issues there. Uh, but they pivoted and they're doing fine and it's great. And we've got the executive chef, uh, Matthew Cockrell, and the owner, our old friend, Hakan Ilhan, with us today to give us kind of an update. Guys, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thank you very much for having us. Well, and also, Hi. Chef, the last time you were on, you were actually at a different property. So when did you join uh, Liberté? Uh, I came on in February, uh, right before things just shut down. Oh, my God. Um, so good timing. Kind of a, yeah, yeah, so it's kind of a whirlwind. But, you know, it's it's been great. I love it here. It's fantastic. Uh, this mm -hmm. place is, I'm sure if you've seen it, the inside is just beautiful. They did yeah, a beautiful. wonderful job in this place. Mm -hmm. So, Haikan, let's back up a little bit and talk about uh, the restaurant and the offerings there and then sort of how you brought in Matt. Um, yes, of course. Um, <clears throat> when we opened up, obviously, you know, uh, uh, it's really got a very good response. And, and we were analyzing, you know, our customer base, what uh, people were looking and, uh, um, you know, we felt that we needed, um, you know, uh, a new addition to the team. And Matt was brought on board at the time. And then, of course, COVID happened. And we, we kind of took, um, you know, we wanted to make a, you know, lemonade out of a lemonade, per se, and uh, correct 
certain things that we felt that needed improvement. You know, it gave us an opportunity to revisit the menu items and, you know, understanding of the customers here and what they were really looking for. And uh, what we really found out with the time that we were open for the two months was that uh, people were looking more classical French uh, bistro um, uh, in Georgetown. So, um, of course, Matt's resume really fit that, um, you know, uh, places that he had worked before. And, um, you know, we had brought him over uh, for those reasons. And, you know, when the COVID happened, and uh, when we reopened, uh, we started really playing with the menu, trying to bring in more classical French dishes. So um, that's, that's how it all evolved. And uh, so to summarize it, you know, we felt we, we wanted to be more classical French. And uh, that's how we brought Matt into the team before COVID. And then, you know, of course, COVID happened. Great. So Matt, it is a bistro brasserie menu so what what sort of classic additions or how did you sort of make the menu yours and add those additions to the menu like what are we looking for um so uh, you know i made the additions based upon you know my training and the uh, classical french places i had worked throughout my career and brought it to the bistro style of the food we want to do here um have it be bistro, but at the same time be elevated, but approachable. And there's always classics that people are going to look for that um, we have perfected here, you know, beef bourguignon, trout almondine, uh, mm -hmm. things of that nature, you know, for, for brunch and for lunch, uh, a croque monsieur, you know. And we also do things in the classic style with a little twist, like our tuna nichois is very classic in majority of the sense, except for instead of using confit tuna, we use a seared style ahi tuna. So. While we are very classical in a lot of ways, we also have a little few twists on things that are a little bit more modern and I think uh, make it very, very approachable. Um, you know, moles frites, steak frites, very classic bistro dishes that you would find at any bistro in Paris um, that, you know, we just uh, want to make sure that all of our menu items are a star. And, you know, with the help of Hakan and the management team here, we have really really perfected this menu and uh, every dish on this menu is a star they can all stand up to each other and by themselves so we're really proud of, of what we've done here well since you brought up french fries which are really important to several of your dishes what is it that you're doing to make your french fries like are you skinny fries thicker fries what kind of like what are you doing to make your fries delicious because i mean fries are tough and people are super picky uh, they can be tough for sure. Um, well, it starts with the potato. Um, so I get a potato uh, from a purveyor that's tested before it leaves the facility for both sugar and starch content. And if it doesn't hit within a certain percentage, they won't ship. So that's the first step of ensuring I'm getting a consistent product all year round. Um, then once they come in, we punch them in-house and they go through a step, uh, a multiple step process to ensure that they are pillowy on the inside and still crispy, crunchy on the outside. So we steam them first and then we blanch them in fry oil and then we let them sit. Uh, once we take them out of the oil, we let them sit on the sheet tray uh, to soak in that oil so they get nice and pillowy on the inside. And that way when we fry them for service, the uh, order to pick up, they're just wonderfully hot and crispy on the outside and super pillowy on the inside. It's just everything you want in a fry. Uh, and plus our fry seasoning 
uh, isn't just salt. You know, we have a, a few ingredients in there that really make them stand out. So it's not just your average fry you're going to find anywhere, anywhere in the city. I'd like to argue our fries are probably some of the best you'll find. Well, I feel like we need to go in and test taste them. I feel like that's a <laughs> that's a necessary to do. Uh, so now that you guys are opened, what does the situation look like? Because you do have outdoor seating. Like, how are you guys uh, sort of creating the space in this time period? Well, <clears throat> actually, um, it's um, uh, we are blessed in the sense that you know we have a really uh, um, a big patio. We can sit up to 75 people outside and and also our inside um, is, you know, kind of uh, we have a big space. Uh, social distancing is easier to handle in a location like this. For example, last night was a little chillier. We, we had more people venturing inside. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, because of the size of this restaurant, uh, we are in a better situation than, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, a regular restaurant would be so um people are sitting inside as well as long as um they feel comfortable and that there's enough social distancing mm -hmm. and um will you like employ heaters and things of that nature to maintain the outdoor space or are you looking to bring it all in what are you thinking uh well we are going to of course have outside heaters as well and then uh, but you know at the end of the day i think when it really really gets cold Mm -hmm. um you know um you know heaters are not gonna cut it i mean you know when it's you know uh, 30 degrees outside um uh, you know uh, i i think people are going to um uh venture a little bit more inside uh at least we are hoping that and um you know as long as there's enough uh, distance social distancing and um you know um so um i, I think you know we are gonna be um using heaters but i really don't think that's gonna be the answer in december january and february uh to really unless people start venturing inside it's gonna be a problem guys is the whole menu available to go or do you have a more limited menu for for pickup and for delivery um yeah the whole menu is available to go um there's only one thing I won't ever do to go, and that's ice cream and sorbets for obvious reasons. But outside of <laughs> that, very you know, no one wants ice cream soup, but the whole menu is available to go. So I, all right, I'm going to go back to fries, back to fries because how do you do your delicious fries then to go? Like, do you struggle with that? Do you give people suggestions, a way to like recrisp them or something? I mean, we haven't actually come across any, um, complaints with that i mean we all know sometimes you know we need to get fries to go by the time they get home they're just soggy and just like meh but mm -hmm. like i said the process of what we do and the way that our purveyor um makes sure the potatoes are within a certain range mm -hmm. um they do stay crispy for quite a while uh, believe it or not so usually that's fine and you know worst case scenario you throw them in the oven for a couple of minutes reheat them and recrisp them and there you go but you know this menu was designed um, in a lot of ways but also it's, it's very very good to go it travels very well um stays hot you know we want to make sure we use all the right containers things that are microwavable dishwasher safe reusable so just not one-time use containers so um you know there's all places there but yeah i mean this this menu was designed to not only be great to eat in-house but in your own house as well too awesome all right well guys unfortunately the show is ending so could you do us a favor and tell us again uh the street address and the web address and all your handles for 
Brasserie Liberté? Uh, we are located at 3251 Prospect Street, Northwest, in Georgetown, D.C. And uh, our website is libertedc.com. Perfect. One of the great locations in Georgetown, I have to say. So thank we want to uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. And uh, I am totally coming in to check out those fries. And I know you have other promotions like Thanksgiving and things like that. All of that can be found on the list, areyouonit.com. We want to thank all of our guests for joining us today. Of course, you can go to the website, the list, areyouonit.com. The shows are always uploaded there, and you can download them and take them on your walks or do whatever it is you want to do. We want to thank you for joining us. And uh, please, wear a mask, use your hand sanitizer, socially distance, be kind if you go out to restaurants, to the staff. They're trying to stay safe and keep you safe. And we hope you have a delicious day. And one last word, vote. <laughs> there you go.